Dunedin is just north of Clearwater on the Gulf Coast of Florida. It's about a 10-minute drive to the downtown from there, and a little further to reach Honeymoon Island State Park, a major part of the tourism for the city. Founded in 1852 and incorporated in 1899, the city is named for the Scottish Gaelic word for Edinburgh, the capital of Scotland. This city is very proud of its Scottish connection, related to two of their founders being Scottish immigrants. One of their sister cities is, in fact, Stirling, Scotland, home to the William Wallace Monument, just a short train ride from Edinburgh itself. The architecture of this quote-unquote village town resemble typical Scottish design. Along with the Gulf of Mexico tourism as their primary industry, their Scottish heritage is Dunedin's proudest characteristic. This little Scottish town entered the grander Florida conversation in 2018, thanks to one individual. National team is going for it all. That coveted trip to the Little League World Series. I'm Ron DeSantis. We were only 12, but we learned to dream big, work hard, and swing away. And that's my plan as governor. I'll grow high-paying jobs, restore Florida's water quality, and improve education for every child. I'm Ron DeSantis. From Dunedin to Tallahassee, I'll always go to bat for Florida. That video is from Florida GOP and was one of the most prominent ads of Republican candidate, now governor-elect, Ron DeSantis. Born in September of 1978 to Karen and Ronald DeSantis in Jacksonville, he grew up in Dunedin and went on to compete in the Little League World Series in 1991 at the age of 13. 27 years later, on November 6th, Ron DeSantis was elected the 46th governor of the state of Florida. In just four days, on this upcoming Tuesday, January 8th, he will take office. In advance of this, let's take a look at DeSantis and his interest for Florida in his own words. Welcome to Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian Podcast. I'm Nick D'Alessandro. I hope you had a very happy new year. Before we get into DeSantis himself, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the Florida governor's office. We've had 46 since we became a state. Astonishingly, only nine have been Republican since. In fact, from 1876 until 1998, we had almost consistent Democratic governors with only three exceptions in that entire time. 122 years of almost consistent Democratic leadership. And one of those three exceptions wasn't even a Republican. He was a member of the Prohibition Party. Since 1998, however, we've had exclusively Republican governors. This trend tracks with the influx and growth of older populations who consistently vote red. In 1998, we elected Jeb Bush, brother of George, and he served until 2006. Charlie Crist, who is now a Democrat, served after until 2010 when Rick Scott beat him for the job. Crist re-ran in 2014 as a Democrat against Scott, but lost, and then turned his attention to Congress. With DeSantis' election, this is the first time in Florida history that four different Republicans have served as governor in consecutive terms in the state. And compared to Scott's re-election, DeSantis' election year was massive. Look, I think it was a lot of hard work. I mean, we, we turned out, I don't know the final vote total, but I think I got a million more votes than Governor Scott did when he got reelected in 2014. I mean, we really energized a lot of voters. And I thought if we could energize Republican voters um, and make the case in a convincing way that I'd be a governor, good, better governor to independent voters, that we would win. And I think that's what we did. I expected this to be a bit of an over-exaggeration, but DeSantis is accurate. In fact, he's actually kind of understating. In 2014, 5.5 million voters cast their ballot in the governor race. Rick Scott won, with 2.8 million voters choosing him. 
2018 makes those numbers look like kid stuff. 8.1 million voters voted in the governor race, and 4,076,000 voted for the governor-elect, DeSantis. He beat the Democratic candidate and mayor of Tallahassee, Andrew Gillum, by just 33,000 votes. This vote was so close, you'll remember, that it went to recount, with only a 0.4% spread between the two candidates. Gillum conceded the night of the election, but rescinded this when the results were looking as slim as they were. The recount provided the same result, however, and the rest is history. As a candidate for a political position, in many ways, DeSantis can be viewed as kind of textbook. He attended Yale for his bachelor's degree in history, went on to Harvard Law School where he graduated in 2005. During this time, he joined up with the U.S. Navy and became a prosecutor for the famous Judge Advocate General's Corps, or JAG. He worked in Guantanamo Bay, the controversial U.S. prison, for a year and then went on to be a Navy SEAL. After leaving the service in 2010, he became a lieutenant in JAG where he served until moving up to Congress in 2012 as a member of the House of Representatives for Florida. The Miami Herald points out how several of these things make him ideal for Republican voters, but also include that many consider him to be lacking charisma, personality, and affability. Quote, DeSantis is not a naturally warm person, or the sort of solicitous politician who clearly adores mingling with voters or firing up the crowd. Unquote. Having watched several hours of interviews of DeSantis, I can attest to this, though I can admit that he knows how to deliver a stump speech pretty well. The Herald goes on to note that he often would walk the halls of the Capitol with headphones in, making himself quite aloof. He apparently would spend some time checking notifications on his phone mid-conversation. Many say that his military background is cause for most of this curt personality, but his campaign staff said all of these quirks lend to his personal strengths, making him sharp, focused, and strong. His time in Congress certainly gave him ample opportunity for experience in governmental work. He served for six years and worked on several committees in that time. Not only did he vote along the Republican Party line almost consistently, but he rarely ever wavered on these topics, almost voting exclusively partisan consistently. There were several government shutdowns when DeSantis was in the House, the type of shutdown we are in right now. And according to the Herald, in every instance, DeSantis voted in favor of a shutdown rather than budgetary agreements. He has pitched or supported several bills to change rules for Congress, including removing congressional pension for all new members to Congress, saying that it's a waste of taxpayer money. He has also moved forward bills to place a ban on lobbying for former congresspersons to a certain extent and tried to impose term limits. You may be shocked to learn that I actually agree with everything about those, though I know it's unrealistic for Congress to pass laws that limit them making money or limit their control. I'd actually like to see several of those bills passed, but that was years ago and times are changing. Not to mention the fact that no bill that DeSantis was the original sponsor for ever went to law. None. Zero. However, he did co-sponsor 34 bills. A third of the bills he co-sponsored were essentially cosmetic, renaming buildings and creating commemorative coins. The other two-thirds are mostly related to military support. A few months ago, in advance of the governor race approaching, DeSantis resigned from his position. This was uncommon, and it was met with skepticism. The skepticism was due to the fact that DeSantis was facing an ethics investigation at the time. This came after he rented out a condo on the Palm Coast while shopping for a home a few years ago at a significantly cheaper price. 
Some were saying that the condo was potentially paid for by lobbyists as a gift of sorts. The investigation halted, however, when he stepped out of his position in order to run. In that race for governor, he had only had one major opponent for the Republican seat, the former Commissioner of Agriculture, Adam Putnam. The competition was tough for a while, and Putnam was considered to be the obvious choice. There was, however, one factor that majorly changed things for DeSantis. Back when Ron was far behind in the polls, he got the endorsement of the president. DeSantis is an outspoken supporter of Trump, voting in favor of Trump's movements 94% of the time. DeSantis is an avid opponent of the Russian investigation and entered the national conversation when he grilled the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein on television. DeSantis has also spoken up in favor of several more national issues that Trump advocates for. DeSantis is pro-Israel, loudly agreeing with the founding of an embassy in Jerusalem. He is in favor of immigration reform, endorses ICE, and actively speaks out against sanctuary cities in Florida despite the fact that we have none. And if you think I may be comparing him a little too unfairly to Trump, then maybe you haven't heard this commercial. I will play it in its entirety. This is unedited and complete. Everyone knows my husband, Ron DeSantis, is endorsed by President Trump, but he's also an amazing dad. Ron loves playing with the kids. Build the wall. He reads stories. Then Mr. Trump said, you're fired. I love that part. He's teaching Madison to talk. Make America great again. People say Ron's all Trump, but he is so much more. Big league, so good. I just thought you should know. Ron DeSantis for governor. Real. This was met with national attention. If you haven't watched the actual commercial, you must. It's unbelievable, no matter how you feel about the president. Aligning oneself with the president is a bit of a crapshoot nowadays, and more so now than ever, with Trump being majorly disliked across the country. But DeSantis got lucky as his opponent for the governor was equally disliked by Republicans as Trump is by Democrats. Andrew Gillum is a progressive, shares many opinions with socialist candidates like Bernie Sanders, openly speaks out against ICE and police brutality, and ran with Medicare for All as a primary focus. Gillum was talking about raising taxes right from the jump, and for any conservative, that's all they need to hear in order to lose their vote. In this clip from Fox News, DeSantis shares how Floridians will not be in favor of this. And I think the reason why we've been able to mobilize Republicans so much is precisely because of the contrast you, you talked about. People understand what has made Florida successful. We have had limited government. We have had a pro-business climate and a low tax environment. That allows us to drive investment from higher tax states. And I think we're poised to do better than ever, Marie. I mean, you, get, you know in New York, people are going to be filling out their taxes in the spring. The salt deduction is going to be gone and I think that's going to cause an even increased flood of investment into in Florida if we have good leadership and, and good tax policy. Andrew Gillum wants a 40% tax increase. That'll kill jobs, cause businesses to leave, and it'll stop the historic flow of investment coming into Florida. It would be a big mistake, and I think Republican voters in particular realize that. That's why they're coming out in droves. Andrew Gillum said that he Not to mention that Gillum was facing an investigation at the time. In many ways, Florida is facing a smaller version of the presidential election we faced just two years previous. DeSantis wanted voters to know that Gillum was a socialist, and don't think for a second he didn't mention constantly. Never to shy away from the comparisons to the president, DeSantis decided to hit the ground running with the Trump comparisons. He started leaning into it, using similar rhetoric regarding his opponent and the media, as can be heard in this clip from CBS Miami. Before I play it, this is the only CBS media that I have. All of the interviews you're hearing besides this one come from Fox News. 
It's hard, near impossible, to find an interview with him anywhere else. The same applies for Gillum, who was almost exclusively found on CNN. Here's the clip. I'm going to have to look out for Floridians, and to do that, you have to work constructively with the administration on our water resources, Everglades restoration, Lake Okeechobee, transportation, which is obviously important in South Florida, and we need to do get more resources for that. Uh, the military footprint, I mean, Southern Command here in Miami, other places, Northwest Florida. I think Floridians want the governor to work constructively with the administration, not to be kind of the font of the resistance. Um, you know, you'll get more uh, airtime on CNN doing that, but you're not going to be able to advance Floridian's interests, and I'll be able to do that. But I'll let him say the things he's strong on. He's already mentioned the environment and military support, but here are some others via Fox News. We've been very strong on illegal immigration, saying we need E-Verify in Florida. We can't have sanctuary cities. Um, I've been somebody that's been a wholesale supporter of education reform, from parental choice to vocational education in the classrooms to more civics education. So we've been talking about these key issues time and time again, and we're going to continue to do that and spread the message far and wide. Upon receiving this position as governor, his relationship with Trump didn't fade. He stood strong on that bridge. At a meeting with all the new governors, DeSantis shares that Trump pledged support to several major projects in our state, which can be heard in this clip, again, from Fox News. Well, one, he's been great with uh, panhandle reconstruction. We want to keep that on the front burner, and he pledges support for that, including Tyndall Air Force Base, which is an important military post for us. Uh, but then also, and, and you know this, Steve, for spending time in Florida, you know, we've had problems with some of these toxic algae blooms and fed, feeding into things like red tide, uh, and there's federal uh, projects involving the Army Corps that are involved in that, and he pledges support to, to help it. He wants to get that going. So that was music to my ears. So, for better or for worse, that's our governor. I'll remind you of that list that he himself stated. The environment, immigration, the military, education, taxes, and spending. Though, in regards to the military, bases are really the only thing he can have an impact on at the state level. When he takes the office on the 8th, I recommend that you keep your eyes open. Pay attention. Pay attention to the bills and the rhetoric and his actions and what he's doing. It's important now more than ever to pay attention. In my mind, my biggest concern with DeSantis is a lack of qualification. He struggled with establishing a platform early. In fact, just two months out from the election, he said that he wasn't even sure about his platform. That does not lend itself to trustworthy leadership for me, regardless of political opinion. I will, however, give him the benefit of the doubt. Or rather, I was planning to give him the benefit of the doubt. That was until he proposed postponing Amendment 4 from going into effect. I talked about this last week. This pause has not been approved, but this unnecessary movement was given for absolutely no reason and showed disrespect for the voice of Florida voters. It showed an unmasked bias favoring things that extreme members of his own party approve of. If that's his mentality going into the governorship, then I, frankly, don't trust him already. As for the rest, only time will tell. Thank you for listening to Wait 5 Minutes. I hope you had a very happy new year, and I'm thrilled for all of the stories coming up. Next week, for example, the story of medical marijuana in the Sunshine State. Voters approved this in 2016, but the industry is still facing major setbacks. What's holding us up, and what is the future of the treatment in our state? Find out next Friday. 
I'm looking for topics for the next few months, and I would love to hear what interests you, you, the listener. What do you want to hear about? Where do you want me to visit? What terrifies you the most about our current state of affairs? Email me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. I'll be setting up more social media outlets for us shortly, and I hope you'll reach out there in the coming weeks. All of the links for the audio in this episode are in the description, as well as some extras. All of the music is from Lobo Loco. The song titles and all the sources can be found in the description below. I look forward to talking with you next week. Until then, be kind to yourself, be kind to each other, drink more water, and pay attention. January 8th is going to be a big day. See you next week.